episode of In Another World, a pop culture podcast. I am your host, Zachary Landolt, and yeah, how's everyone doing today? Yeah, I know you can't answer me back, but important question, has everyone watched the Mariah Carey Christmas special? This is a very pivotal moment in culture that we need to be observing, and if you didn't even know what I was talking about just then, that is a big problem. You should need to figure out how to watch it. It is on Apple TV. You know, um, somebody's got to have a password, right? I mean, we're all playing, we're all playing swapsies with each other's. I know I do with my friends. Um, no one come after me, but it is worth watching if nothing else than for the Jennifer Hudson, Ariana Grande and Mariah Carey number, which was totally fab and no offense, Miss Jennifer Hudson. Who is amazing in it? Of course, she's a vocal powerhouse. But the moment that sort of came from it is the whistle tone harmony from Ari and Mariah. It was such a, it felt like the healing of all of the tension and uh, diva, you know, tabloid bullshit they've been having to muck their way through for years, all solved in one lovely whistle tone. It was a real. A real moment that gives you hope in the spirit of Christmas, indeed. But anyway, I can't even, guys. It's Mariah Carey. You gotta watch it. You gotta watch it. But I'm so excited for today's episode because I have an interview with someone I was very excited to get for the show. I have LA-based comedian Tim Murray, who I had seen a couple of his really funny videos on Twitter and Instagram and stuff, and I remember seeing that there was going to be a reunion stream of the cast of the MTV reality competition series, The Search for the Next Elwoods. Yes, that show. (laughs) I know I was obsessed with it. I'm sure I'm not alone. It was amazing. All of the girls came back, the creative team. It was so amazing. And I remember looking at him in that stream and going, that guy is a cool guy. I would like to talk to him because anyone that put this together, we probably have something to talk about. And we had such a fun time. He specifically came by to play a game of gay Christmas movie battle royale, really, where we pit gay Christmas movie against gay Christmas movie and we pick a winner from each round until there is one surviving gay as fuck Christmas movie. It was so much fun. We definitely went on many tangents. Um, but you're used to that on the show anyway, so it's fine. But we had such a fun time, and I'm so excited for you all to hear my interview. So why don't we stop having me ramble like this, because I could just do it forever, and jump to my interview with Tim Murray. Listeners, my guest today is someone I'm so excited to talk to. He is an LA-based comedian with hilarious videos on YouTube and Twitter. He's the host of the podcast Slumber Party, and he moderated one of my favorite pieces of pop culture during quarantine, the live stream reunion of the cast of the MTV reality competition series, The Search for the Next Elwoods. Listeners, please welcome to the show, Tim Murray. I hope people are still saying about that about me in like 60 years. I I, I will be, if nothing else. I was so That's excited. A- that was that was like it felt like it was made for me, like someone was marketing directly to me. It was a very surreal experience. 
Thank you for saying that because I'm really truly so proud of that event because I feel like the one thank you. The one thing people always say about me is like, you're so niche. Like who who is ever gonna give a crap about any of the things that you do other than like 13 people? But that's what I love about what I do. And I and I was like, you know what? I watched that series when it came out live when it was on MTV, and then I rewatched it during quarantine and I was like, let me just see if there's any way these queens would do it yeah it was and it was really weird because also i don't know if it was just like kismet the the universe but then also joel kim booster and matt rogers did a podcast called yeah search for the next one um and it was just all at the same time and i'm a big legally blonde super fan in general so i've listened to the score to that goddamn show more times i could sing it from start to finish it's so good. I saw it on Broadway. I got a student rush ticket for $25. Mm. I went by myself. And I don't think, I don't know if I've told this story on a podcast before, but I, this is pre YouTube when that, oh, like wow. that show, well, not exactly like pre YouTube, but pre YouTube yeah, yeah, yeah. know it now. Like yeah. there, YouTube existed, but there were not like clips of Broadway musicals on there. No. Not even, there were not only not bootlegs, there were not clips. Like you couldn't just, watch it was a dark time it was a dark time for us it was a dark time so i pulled my digital camera out in the front row of that show and leslie kritzer marched to the end of the stage and like mouthed yelled at me she was (gasps) no are we allowed to curse on this podcast or should i please go fucking go for it I hope I get to, I need to interview Leslie Kritzer because I think she would actually die for this story. And I promise, and I'm such a super fan of hers and I was so embarrassed. She mouthed, (laughs) turn the fucking camera off. And I wanted to die. Wow. Yeah. That was my, my gay heart would have like sank into my ass. I don't even know. (laughs) It's just like, wow. Uh, Wow. That's like, I mean, I, I, I remember when the whole Patty Lapone stop taking pictures moment dropped. I remember that being like a pivotal moment for the internet and for uh, the mm. attacking of people taking bootlegs. And so ever since I'm like, if I ever had any uh, little urge to maybe do a bootleg, I always just fear of getting Patty Lapone. I know. I, I mean, I've seen it happen many a time and it, it sort of happened to me in that moment. And I learned my That's, lesson right oh. then and there. I was like, I'll never do this again. So what was it like getting all of those those ladies back together? How how was that? It was so exciting. And so I was just like, I basically was just like feeling an adrenaline rush for like all five days leading up to the event after they had all said yes. I it, it was so crazy. Basically, I Instagram DM'd all of them. I was so I was re-watching the show on YouTube and yeah a couple of New York comedians had been like tweeting that it was on YouTube. And so I was like, Oh my God, I need to rewatch. Which, by the way, old, old news for me. Like those, I had seen that shit on YouTube for years. I was like, yeah, guys, where have you been? Come on. I know. Like get with it. Actually in 2015, there was a musical called nerds coming to Broadway. And my roommate, Pierce Cassidy was, it was, he was going to make his Broadway debut. He'd been in book of Mormon on tour. He was going to make his Broadway debut in nerds. And as that was happening, this is like a crazy random Broadway story, but I promise oh, it's related. We, I, I, we love random stories. <laughs> as as that was happening, he came home from rehearsal one day and was like, the show is canceled. 
like we did we don't even get to go open it they were like rehearsing to go into the theater yeah and the producer came into the rehearsal room and was like we lost all the money everybody go home like <clears> stop <throat> singing stop dancing leave stop right singing. now stop literally singing, literally stop like, dancing. <laughs> they were doing a number and he was like i'm sorry i have to stop everything this, this whole your job the most dramatic gone. way to like end the show like don't even let them finish the run of the number truly it was so insane and i think at uh, that time on, only the pilot episode of search for Woods was on youtube this is yeah. in like 2015 so i sat pierce down and we were like okay you you need to re-fall in love with musical theater and i made him watch um search for Woods, which we were uh, both already huge fans of yeah so i have been re-watching it but then yeah. during quarantine i saw a, a couple of new york comedians my friend drew anderson had tweeted um Oh my God, the search for was on YouTube. So I was like, let me get stoned and drink martinis every night yeah. and tape myself watching this. So I started making Instagram stories of myself watching the series. And yeah. normally my Instagram stories will get between like 200 and like maybe 400 views if I'm lucky. Mm -hmm. These videos were getting thousands <laughs> of views of me reacting to the search for Woods. So I was like, okay, I. And I was re-falling in love with these women all over again. So I was like, I have yeah. to do this. Oh, and it's it's such a particular style of reality competition show that it just it feels of its era. It it just has like the stench of that time all over it. Yeah. And it, it was so fascinating hearing them. I mean, I feel like I'm like a drag race super fan, and I'm very savvy to like behind the scenes, like, okay, that's editing, that's like blah, 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 blah. So it's I have to remember like you have to take that eye to everything and so there were so many parts of that competition show where they would tell the behind the scenes version of that day and so now I just look at that whole show with a new set of eyes it was truly bonkers like what was it when they said like oh yeah we had to stay on the bikes for for hours <laughs> and, like eight and hours or my, something. like that's insane you could never do that now that is truly it's like, yeah it, they really got away with absolute murder and it's really interesting yeah it really makes you look at reality tv in a new light because like brita filter is my old roommate from new york oh wow and um and she the 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 edit she got on this Ugh, season of drag race hateful. was hateful <laughs> was like, i rewatched so... recently and i was like she really got put in a place like i can see the the gears uh working against her with that it's interesting because like i mean reality tv is what it is like there is a camera on you like britta yeah. said that stuff like she sure. she wasn't but like what best. question was she asked to answer you know that made her right. say that yeah and like you didn't show any nice stuff that she did like no. she gave a bunch of her like when she got kicked off she gave a bunch of her wigs to no. uh girls that were still there like it just it was interesting and same thing with cassie s and i had diana DeGarmo <sighs> oh, on my podcast yeah. on slumber party who is uh american idol season three. Oh, yeah yeah we know yeah and you we know we know <laughs> we know I who was, beat her it was a crime <laughs> i mean i mean we love fantasia fantasia is yeah everything. i mean i guess yeah it's fine it's fine, it's fine. they both it's honestly fine. it should be a mean girls moment and we just split that crown and we <laughs> exactly <laughs> how do you compare to her, diana degarmo to fantasia barino like literally that's that's insanity that doesn't it's make right. any sense <laughs> in any universe yeah but, well oh, yeah. sorry go ahead 
Oh no no, I was I I was interrupting you. <laughs> so I was gonna say Diana had so much and so many interesting things to say about reality TV too because she had gotten like a pretty good edit, like you know she yeah. was top two. But still, even when you get a good edit, she, there was so much stuff where she was like, "What the hell happened there?" Like that's not at all. That's a response to something that I wasn't responding to. Yeah. And I'm listening to Jessica Simpson's book on tape right now. And she talks a lot about newlyweds. And there's oh, it's yeah. just so crazy to see a, a peek behind the curtain of how they manipulate reality TV. Well, and I feel like with Drag Race, this current season, you can't help but think about the edit because you think about how there was an entire other human being in that building that they were able to almost completely erase. And then you hear about these alternative edits that the show was originally going to have that would have completely changed how you would have perceived some of these girls. So it's it was... Of course, it's all happened during 2020 as well. So it was just very fitting for the time for this to be our drag race season. But I just, and I heard that on the newest season, they almost had another uh, uh uh-oh moment with one of their girls and they had to ask them to leave like very last minute. I heard there were two. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Wow. So not to obsess over the Legally Blonde thing, but I am going to circle back just for just another moment because this was a big deal. So when you first watched, who were you rooting for out of the girls? Do you remember? When I watched like in 2008? Yeah. To be very honest, I was I was rooting for Bailey. Like I <laughs> I thought she and and I'll even say <laughs> I'm going to get so fucking chewed out for this. Oh, whatever. It's fine. Whatever. Even upon the rewatch, I love Autumn. I am an Autumn super fan. I think she's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And I know Bailey has said and done some questionable (laughs) things toward the gay community. But but like, also, I think forgiveness is super important. And I think we should allow people to learn and grow. And... I haven't talked about this openly, but Bailey sent me like the nicest email after that um after that reunion. That yeah. was truly like this essentially it was kind of like thank you so much for creating such a safe space for me and for all of us to talk because I mean I I know what she did with the Chick-fil-A stuff was like really kind of messed up. But yeah. also like she was like 21 and like a lot of people do dumb shit. Oh my when they're god. T- Wow. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, and it's, it's a crazy thing to be under that kind of spotlight. So all that to say, uh, Bailey it was Elle Woods. Like she just she, was. Yeah. I mean, you can't even, I, I, I was such a contrarian at that age. That I probably was like, Oh, Autumn should have won. She was robbed. She was robbed. But when you rewatch the show back, I mean, as talented as Autumn is, I do think she is probably a stronger vocalist overall over Bailey. Push. Without a doubt. Without She's a doubt. Like way better at singing. Yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> bless, bless both. But when you watch the scenes, Bailey's like, She's a couple of middle adjustments away from being just like ready to go. Whereas Autumn, it would just seem like, oh, you're not that part. Like you're you're right for other things in this. Like cast her as Vivian, like cast her as right, right. you know, even um one of the girls in Delta New. Of course, none of their names are coming to me in this moment. Margot? No. Margot? 
Yeah, Margot's yes. one of them. I did. Serena. Okay. She could be no. any of those girls. Yeah. Any of them. Yeah. Well, that's what was so, that was the other thing that was so fascinating was hearing a lot of them say, oh, we ended up being in Legally Blonde, just not um, in the Broadway production. Like some of them even did it on tour. So, because Rhiannon was, and, and Lauren both did it on tour. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think the most hateful edit was Rhiannon because they made her look like she was the most untalented vocalist. Because I remember thinking at the time, like, that girl's lovely and she seems really fun, but my God, she can't sing. And it doesn't, but then you watch these other videos of her and she's great. And it's just like, what the fuck? That was a hateful edit. She's so talented. And it was really nice to like have her on the reality on the reunion because it was just like everything that you imagined she would be like even before we started she just was like how is everyone like how are you guys doing and her kids came in during some of it and I she's still my favorite person to follow on Instagram I think she's so so many people texted me after the reunion they were like Rhiannon seems like she's a really good friend and I'm like yeah she really does also I remember thinking like love her hate her you know but bailey looked fucking stunning on that live stream reunion i'm like she my god so fierce her hair was like was so wavy she definitely got like, that hair yeah. set before she got on camera i was she like you sure, can tell she is a hairstylist sure. now <laughs> this is all clicking together and like no matter what these girls have done in the public eye etc i mean i think it's really important to remember most of them were basically children. They were like children. 18 to 21 when they were on that show. And they were really, really put through the ringer. And I I just think it's important to remember youth. Perspective. And perspective. Youth. Yeah. Like, yeah, like I remember, I remember when I not to go my my brain, it goes from either musical theater or drag race, and then sometimes it falls in, in between, and then we get other thoughts. But I remember when I watched season seven of Drag Race, I remember at the time thinking that Pearl and Violet were like such evil bitches. And I rewatched that season recently, and I'm more like, why are these old queens like dogpiling on these girls? Like, what is going on here? It's just it's so funny what perspective because you think like they're they're under 25 like of course they're a little <laughs> conceited or bitchy like what what do you what do you want what do you want and they're on reality tv like and this on... is all fake like, this, this is none all, of this is real all fake like my my god like i i wish there was some way you could pay some subscription feed just watch all the raw footage from drag race and just get access to all of that footage and i just wonder i know wouldn't that be so amazing i'm also a a super fan of drag race i could i could just watch i've been rewatching untucked season seven recently so it's funny that you're watching season seven well and like oh i just i go through a cycle i just like cycle through and we just start all over um i'm ready for new drag race and luckily i feel like we're just gonna get dumped a ton of content at the start of the year so you know fingers crossed. do you think the winter season thing is real have you heard about this Yo, oh have i heard about this would you believe <laughs> um yes and i i here's my thoughts on the all winter season i like the idea but i think if they do it 
the only way they're going to get these girls to say yes and the only way the fans aren't just going to like roast them is I think they should do a pageant format where they're there for the whole time and they all get to do all of the challenges and then they declare a winner in the last episode because you don't want to see like for instance if like Jinx Monsoon gets sent home right before the Snatch Game episode and then you're just like what the fuck like we, yeah, we didn't yeah. get to see all of them do it. And I think they should only do like six girls so that that way, if they want to do this again, they still have a, a wealth of girls because they keep dropping off a little bit every couple of years. Because right now you've already kind of lost like Tyra. You've lost um, Sharon Needles pretty much right now. Yeah. So it's like, and I heard like, Trixie doesn't want to do it, at least from what she has said so far. I mean, who knows? Maybe if it was pitched to her more, that was a thing like, oh, you'll all be there. You get to do all the stuff, you know. <laughs> I totally hear what you're saying, Zach, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I disagree. I want a bloodbath. All right, okay. <laughs> all right, all right. I love that show so much, and I just think it's so fun how they're all so, so many of the winners are so competitive and I want to mm-hmm. see them go toe to toe. And I want to have a legendary once and for all season where we get to see who really would win drag race. And I don't want any of this all-stars bullshit where they send each other home. I want mama RuPaul to make the decision. Who is your greatest winner you've ever had? Oh my God. And I want it to be drama drama rama okay well if that's the case they at least have to do snatch game in the first episode like that has to be done in the first episode so they all get to do it that's my only comment i, I think that's great or maybe like the second episode so no, we don't stop it necessarily we don't necessarily i don't necessarily need to see like i don't know violet do the snatch game again or but i want to watch that like i don't need that <laughs> but i do want to watch that um like oh there are some girls where i'm like you got lucky with that first snatch game i don't know if this would go like great for you again like like aquaria i think she just picked the perfect character but like would that go well again i I know she's she's one of the most interesting ones i think to to see on the show again because she had such a drive and she is so talented so many oh my god yeah but like, can she hold a candle to Bob, Alaska, and Jinx? I like, feel like it I would come know. down between like Bob and Alaska. I feel like after everything, that's what it would come down to. Because My Bob like, is six, good at everything. Sure. Like, what's, everything. what's he going to yeah. fail at? And he's coming back with bitter hair and makeup this time. So it's like, you know. Wh- Here's the thing with Drag Race. It's mm. about who is the most confident. Yes. Like, it is just about being able to put those people always talk about the great Tyra versus Raven of it all. But yeah. if I, same thing, if you rewatch that season, same thing with the Bailey comment I made, like I love Ra- Raven. I think she's a fucking star, but when you rewatch that season, it was Tyra's like she, ate even though I want to not up. be true, even though I want it to not be true. I we have all to admit when I rewatch it. What also you can tell that, uh, miss rupaul was obsessed with with tyra because she does that whole monologue about like when you walked to the back of the stage and then you started to cry and you pulled your veil over your face that shit's magic like that it's just you know come on and And it's like not lying she's not wrong rupaul is eating it up because tyra is obsessed with herself and that's what Bob has yes. when she's when she's on that show. That's what Alaska had when she's like Katya always describes it as like, I mean, Alaska was like a, an expert assassin on All Stars yeah. too. They're not thinking about anything other than winning that crown. And that is why I want this to 
happen. And I think Dark Horse Jinx Monsoon. I mean, I oh Jinx my God. I mean, really I'm, I'm a big a Jinx Monsoon fan. Oh, love. She's probably love my love favorite love. winner other than Bob. Those are my two me too, favorite me winners. Too. And I love Alaska. I, I truly oh, yeah, I love Alaska. I think, I think Alaska very much could win this crown. But I think that's probably why Trixie doesn't want to do it because even though she's an amazing queen, she's like, her and Katya say all the time, they're not competitive. They don't have that kind of no. like, I'm going to kill to, I'm going to fucking kill to win this. Yeah, like crown. I'm a huge Trixie Mattel fan, but I very much am like, she won her season because Shangela and Dela were not in the running anymore. Like that, that's why that happened. And I say that as a huge Trixie Mattel fan, saw her on tour you know have her vinyl she's great love the girl uh her her malibu uh bikini shot is in my bathroom you know like she's great but she got very I lucky i can't get enough i can't, I can't get, get enough, enough. I'll, i watch her i watch her uh i watch her comedy special i watch her documentary she was on my podcast and she is oh i, the, I listen i listen oh my god i i just adore her but yeah, I think that's that's the tea. I really hope we get it. I hope it ha- no matter what happens, I hope it happens. I feel like they know that the fans would eat that shit up, so I feel like it's gonna happen, and they need something else fresh. Um, I think it's just gonna be about negotiating how to get all the girls to say yes because no one wants to be the queen that gets humiliated by going back for an all winter season and goes home first. Nobody wants that. So I know, I know, but I want it. <laughs> now, okay, now, now that's a good question. Out of all the winners, let's say all the winners said yes, which I think they're not even asking all the winners, but let's pretend they're all there. Who do you think would be the first one to go home? It's so hard to say. Because I say Chad. I, I mean, my gut would probably say Chad too, but then it's like... And it's it only based on like, you know, comparatively with the other girls, I just think he would seem the most... I don't want to say tired. That's not the word I'm going to use, but uh, has not evolved <laughs> much since her win. Like she's pretty much the same queen she was when she left. Like, I yeah, but I think it just depends on what the challenge is. Cause True. like, if you give Chad a specific, if it's snatch game, Chad's not going home. Like that's just the tea. Do like, you think she... she would do share again? Probably. And that's smart as hell. And don't we want like, to watch that? I know I want to watch that. I, I want to see that. You know, like, I've heard Jinx say she wants to do uh, Jennifer Coolidge potentially. Oh, and that would be amazing. God. That is such a good idea. I mean, I I really can't say who would go home first because it's really it so depends on like if it's a, well, let's say if, it's the talent show. It's the talent show format. That's that's where uh, I'm like, mm. okay, so it's the talent show format. Uh, okay, I would say who would win the talent show would probably be Bob. I bet Bob would do stand-up and she would win and Jinx would do like a comedy character and the two of them would win. Um, Alaska would do well. Um, I think the bottom would be... Maybe Raja? Uh, what would Raja do, I wonder? Raja, maybe. But I love Raja. I would oh, I lo- I'm obsessed with Raja. So the I'm very obsessed. end. But yeah, I'm a big she, if, former ANTM super fan, so I was like, "That's Sutan. That is, I know who that is." <laughs> I remember um, thinking, "How are they putting celebrities on Drag Race? Like that's Sutan." So yeah, which is such a gag. And she, apparently, she said on a podcast recently that she was asked to be on Drag Race. Did you know yeah. that? I think. Oh yeah, I know. Gag. She I'm said like, she knew half the crew. She knew them from other shit because she's been working in la forever so she was like oh hey what's up <laughs> she's she's such a star but i i do think she might be 
close to the bottom. I think Aquaria could be close to the bottom. Evie Oddly, I think, could be a wild card either way. Wild card. She got lucky, I'm going to be honest. I think she dominated once she hit her stride, but like she, um, that was a weird season. That was a weird cast. I was going to say, let's talk some real tea. I, I actually really, really die for Evie. I think she's amazing. Oh, I do like she, Evie for sure. She's a, she's a queen that I would like pay a lot of money to see live, especially after how she slayed that All-Stars 5 lip sync. Oh I was like, my God. Oh, it, she far, she ate the floor with every other assassin the whole rest of the season. She set the bar too yeah. high. So I think God, she's very- God bless Miss India. I was like, honey, I'm so sorry. Oh, <laughs> that's not going to work out for you. I know, Miss India. I know. Poor Miss I India think- overall. Like, was this worth it? Was this worth it for you? Uh, truly. Did it you gain like- something from this? Oof. It was, uh, she got treated India unfair. <laughs> um, but yikes. it was really, <laughs> y- yikes, that's right. I, I, it was, fine. but. Evie, I love, I really do think Evie, like in the pantheon of winners, I think Evie absolutely stands out as like a solid winner. However, yeah. I do think that that is the worst season of Drag Race of yeah, all time. Yeah, people say it's seven. I'm like, it's not seven. It's not seven. It's 11. It, 11, it is 11. Was oh, it's 11. So, it is 11. 11 was so bad. I tried to rewatch it on a plane like a year ago and I was like, what? is this it was like that season it was like the episode with oh. um with scarlet envy and it was good god girl get out and oh, why i gotta be black panther and i was just like what am i watching there no one none of those queens are tv personalities not, no there's not a single not. queen in the whole cast except for nina west she's like oh i love Nina. and brooklyn heights is an unbelievable drag queen but like none of those girls were interesting talking heads they they just no. didn't have it. it. Like Silky was at least fascinating to watch in the workroom, but she was not a good yeah, talking true. head, though. Like it was, it was a weird thing. Usually, the people that are like entertaining in the workroom are also like the top talking heads of the season. But that was not the case with her, at least for me. I Agreed. was. I mean, people make fun of Silky, but I'm like, listen, if she had not been on that season, it would have been a snooze fest. So that's agreed. Agreed. So my God, Silky at least was entertaining. I mean, and some of those queens are so fierce, but also chemistry is so important. Like, yeah, it just was a weird mix of people. Like, yeah, nobody was like bringing out the the best qualities in in others it was really straight and that's why season 12 was so good oh my god 12 every like girl was fun. popped off because suddenly you're like wow i think i like all of these girls like i remember thinking like who's gonna go home first like what how is this gonna go like i feel like anyone that was on season 12 could come back for all stars like because they all made an impact so because like, i would even see um like rockham sakura or yeah for sure yeah yeah or even like Nikki Doll, I would see Nikki Doll again. I, I would, totally. I would be pleased to have Nikki Doll. So I could talk about Drag Race for this entire time. This is not even why you're here. But before we transition, oh, oh, please. I, I cannot believe we neither of us said. And the other dark horse, I think, for the winter season. Oh, Trin- Trinity the Tuck. I. She's re- sneaky. That Trinity. She's sneaky. I, and she's a competitor. She wants it. Oh bad. yeah. What yeah. also? Let's say this. I don't think I heard what i heard is they're not asking anyone from like season 11 on because it's still too recent um but uh, like but uh, like what if shay was there like what if uh, you know uh, like oh i mean like that bitch like she shay cleans went, up she cleans up she cl- I've, i i rewatched nine and i'm like she narrowly lost nine like if the goddamn 
pedals had not happened like i think about that every day i as i was watching nine in real time i was like obsessed with her from the jump yeah and then started slowly loving trinity the tuck and Mm. then was heartbroken i watched the season nine finale with matt rogers in the ace hotel basement and his boyfriend at the time henry koperski and his friend sudi green and the four of us were watching and we literally like couldn't breathe when that happened it was so shocking because sasha it was a gag like i know we say gag all the time but it was a gag it was a true gag sasha came out of nowhere she didn't win a single challenge on her own the whole season but you can't deny that win because when you look at that lip sync you're like that is fucking phenomenal um but also i feel like people sleep on peppermint too like people forget that peppermint like fought her damn way to the second place like, people forget that, like peppermint was second place like she was the runner-up like if she comes back for all-stars eventually and wins that'll be an entire winner's top four which is pretty fierce especially because people were shading season nine so hard when it happened right people are like this is a boring season and then that top four is like truly one of the most iconic top fours. I think it's, had. it's, I think it's the best top four. Just, I mean, there are other top fours I love, but they're all so strong in such unique ways. Like, and I could, I could have seen any of them winning. Um, Cause part of me was rooting for Peppermint in that finale too. Like it was just, I didn't know who was going to win. I love Peppermint. I mean, she's just a wonderful queen. And a, I mean, those lip syncs, like that's My what God. you paid to be a drag queen do at a, at a show. Like and she proves that down. you can win a lip sync without doing a single death drop or a single shablam. Like she is just such an amazing performer and I could go on forever. Um, but I do a segment with all of my guests called Your Birth in Pop Culture, which is when I tell you pop culture related facts connected to the day you entered this earth. Oh, I love that. And I don't hope you don't mind me saying on, uh, on air, you're an 87 baby with me. Ni- I'm 97. Right. Right. Oh, that was, <laughs> oh, sorry. Typo. Excuse me. Yeah, that's um, a typo. But since you did all the research, I guess. You'll allow me to do it for 87? Yeah, just use 87, I guess. That's that's very nice of you. Okay, so <laughs> imagine he was born in 87, like me. Um, and it was, Dece- um, it was December 19th. Now, the number one movie in America at that moment was Throw Mama from the Train. Well, just meet her. Maybe she'd be somebody you'd like to kill. Heaven! Heaven! I wouldn't love this mama. You clumsy poop. So what do you think of her? I think she could relax a little bit. Throw Mama from the Train. Not a woman. She's the Terminator. Rated PG-13. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's where okay. we were at. And the number one song was Faith by George Michael. Because I gotta have faith. So it's all piecing together. What a terrible time. <laughs> what a dark time. What a dark time for America. Um, wow. But we are here to talk about 
just gay Christmas movies because I I'm always fascinated with what Christmas content people took in when they were children to see the connective thread between all of us or to see things that have just like completely been in a blind spot for us culturally. So do you have any yeah. that come to your mind when I say the gayest Christmas movies you can imagine when you were a child? The first thing I think of is The Deepest Christmas Carol mm. with Vanessa Williams. Yes. I remember watching that and just being like, this is heaven to me. Kathy Griffin as the the ghost of Christmas present? I forgot yes. about that. I, need to, I was going to rewatch the movie before we had this podcast episode because I knew when you said gay Christmas movies, I was like, that's what I got to watch. That's, I think that's one. I haven't seen it since I was a kid, but Kathy Griffin. She is at it, yeah. Wild. I don't remember who else is in it, but I remember it being like very 90s celebrities, obviously. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. It screams 90s. Um, I mean, Kathy Griffin, still still an icon, still love her. But she looks very suddenly Susan, Kathy Griffin. So it's, 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 oh, it's a fun yes. time. See, I always think like when I was a kid, I remember we watched this animated Nutcracker movie called The Nutcracker Prince. I don't know if this rings any bells with you. I Yes, it does. It does. And it was like the gay drama because when I was a child, I thought it was the best thing ever. It's not. I've watched it as an adult. It's it's not as good as I remember. But I just remember the drama of Clara and she's like fighting this rat and then all of her, all of her friends are turning back into toys. And it's this whole dramatic moment that I just wanted to live in. I, I wanted to be her. Um, and now I watch it. I'm like, this is trash. <laughs> this is kind of trash. <laughs> this is garbage. And it's like people I wouldn't even known who they were at the time because it was like Phyllis Diller was in it. I had no idea who Phyllis Diller was at the time. Now I'm like, that's iconic. <laughs> that's <laughs> Phyllis Diller. That is amazing. And it's so obviously Phyllis Diller. They even animate her rat hair to look like Phyllis Diller hair. It's, it's truly amazing. I just looked it up to remind myself. And yeah, that is really vividly. Uh, it's a very 90s cast. <laughs> Yes. Early 90s cast. My gay boyfriend is a ballet dancer, so he watches The Nutcracker every Christmas. So I've now seen every version of The Nutcracker, mm. including and there are the many. one with Macaulay Culkin. Yes. Remember that one? Yes. Yes. That one is lit. That's the one we used to watch as, as kids because so 90s. I remember thinking they're, they're so blatantly using Macaulay Culkin to get ticket sales for this goddamn recording of the Nutcracker. Because, I mean, he's just he's just the fucking Nutcracker, which, I mean, for people that know the Nutcracker, that's it's not it's not much. It's not much. It's the titular role. It is the titular <laughs> role. But he gets to sit in a chair for most of the production. Yeah, he and, doesn't I mean, do shit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's a it's a cush role to get. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were so like with Macaulay Culkin as the Nutcracker, and I'm like that doesn't mean much. It doesn't mean that. Much. Everyone else is like dancing their asses off, and he just kind of comes out and like looks scared. For plie, a plie, 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 plie. Tondu, tondu. Yeah, um, I'm I'm a big Nutcracker fan. Also, I've I've seen many productions of the Nutcracker, but I do think I've reached a wall where I've seen too much. Um, so I've been I've been taking a break the past couple of years because it's it's the same story. It's the same gig. We know what's going on. <laughs> we we understand what's gonna happen at the end. Yeah. But also, well, my big my family, we watched Meet Me in St. Louis a lot 
because my dad was from St. Louis. And so, and that's, I, one could argue is that a quote unquote Christmas movie because the whole movie is not set at Christmas. But I feel like the Christmas section is the most iconic part of the movie. And it's where we get Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, which is one of the best Christmas songs of all time, if you ask me, as someone who loves a ballad. So- oh, We love a ballad. I've never seen that movie. And I, I know- I can't believe it. I'm, I know. I'm so ashamed. That, you should be. You need to watch that. It's it's like required Judy Garland viewing. I know. I really I'm honestly a little bit um Judy blind because I've right. only I mean obviously seen um Wizard of Oz like eight billion times. Of course. But other than that, I'm a little uh yeah, I have a blind spot for Judy. What about a Star is born? Have you seen Horror Star is born? I've only seen the Gaga version of A Star is Born. You gotta watch the Garland. The Garland is still my favorite. Um, oh, really? The Gaga was lit. It was definitely better than, and she is my diva, but it was better than the Babs. The Babs version. I've heard, I, I've heard that one's rough. It's yeah. rough. It's really rough. Um, and I'm a huge Barbra Streisand fan, but I, I don't. I I did watch the whole thing, but it was it was a struggle. I definitely was looking at my phone a lot during the second Oof. half of it. Yeah, it was it was tough, but the Judy version, it's 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 I think the best, and it's very gay. Okay, I definitely need to give that a I give that a go. Yeah, and do it. Saint Louis. Oh, by the way, this is like a full. I'm um, just backtracking, but I have to say, when I was researching your comedy videos, I found one that again felt so niche, so so connected to like this was written for someone like me to laugh at, which was <laughs> you did. And I think it's the pinned video on your Twitter, but it's where you're Valerie Cherish rehearsing for an audition for Rent Live on Fox. And it's it's this it's the the parody of the scene where she's doing uh after a long day at work, I don't wanna see that. And just like opening the fridge, leaving the fridge, like, and and it's just you doing what is the line I put? It's like, hey artist, got a dollar? I thought not. <laughs> When I tell you, I died, cackled, and rewatched it, I think, three times. Um, that felt so, so, so to me, so to a homo like me. That's all I will say. Thank you so much. I am so proud of that video. That is an idea, like we talk about my nicheness. That's yeah. an idea that I had in my notes for years. Oh my like, God. I just have been obsessed with the comeback since the first season came out. I it is. That. I like, recommend it to everyone, and I always like. No, trust me. It is one of the funniest things you will ever watch. And I swear, like nine out of ten people, like, yeah, I just didn't get it. I didn't understand it. I'm like, oh, so many mind. people give up too early. It mm. it takes a little while to like get a grasp on it. I think. Yeah. But it is unless the you're most, gay. Unless you're gay, and then you're like, I get. I get you. it. No, we get it. I get this. Um, season two is like the most satisfying season two oh, you'll ever see. God. But yeah, I I just had that idea for so long. And, um, but you know, so many things I make are so niche that nobody ever watches them. Like I made, a, um, a, you know, the Ali's billboard in A Star is Born. When yeah, Ali's yeah, yeah. like standing in front of the billboard. Yeah. I went as Ali's billboard for Halloween one year and my boyfriend was Ali. So I kept the <laughs> billboard design that I made. So I was like, what if I did um, a brave little toaster, but with Ali's billboard trying to go back and find Ali. <laughs> and so I called it a brave little Ali's billboard. 
And Zach, when I tell you, oh my that god, nobody watched this video. I will be watching like, it now because that's like got me hooked. Please watch it. It would make me so happy. It is far and away my least viewed video that I've would ever. Would you say posted. it's your most niche video? My most niche video, like, but I thought. I thought this Valerie Cherish one was going to be so niche. I was like, no one's going to watch this. So I didn't do it for years. And then one day I was like bored at home and I was like, whatever, I'm not going to like hire a guy to tape this. Like I'll just put my phone in the corner yeah. of the, the cabinet. It was perfect. And, that, and it worked out so well. And I, I made it a few days past. I have never admitted this to anyone, but here's a scoop on your podcast. Oh my. I messaged Lisa Kudrow's fan page on Facebook. Mm-hmm. and said hey i made this video i love valerie cherish i love the comeback it would mean the world to me if someone at your team could pass this along to lisa kudrow yeah um and she and then i and i tweeted it at her so who knows wh- whichever way one way or the other either her or whoever runs her twitter I, who knows found it and retweeted it and then like two weeks ago again quoted the video at me on twitter i saw and that I was, freaking out she's such a queen so be i mean that video was out for like a week and no one was watching it and then i was driving postmates my side hustle postmating job and it was hell on earth and i like wanted to cry it was like a whole postmating day yeah and as i was um as i was i've never told anyone this either but at least on a podcast as i was handing the food to a woman the woman was like super nice to me after having a bunch of like shitty situation customer situations she was like thank you so much and then i was like oh my god i love your um welcome mat it was a central perk welcome mat from friends and i walked out of that building and i opened my phone and lisa kudrow had tweeted that's insane that's crazy it was not that's so thank you for for loving that one i also, I'm, re- I'm really proud of how niche and how stupid it is. Anything Valerie Cherish, I just... Lisa Kudrow, to me, is just it. Because between that and, like, Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion and just her uh, web therapy, like, my God, she's such a comedic genius. And the the complexity of Valerie Cherish as a character, it's, it's such a blend of narcissism, but also intense like wanting to be liked by everyone at every moment and wanting to just be in control of the edit of her life as she is being filmed for every I I loved when she goes to the restaurant to see Andy Cohen and (laughs) it's like don't hit people (laughs) don't hit people (laughs) I get it I get it what you're doing I get it no, I get it. She is heaven to me. Like that, I mean, Lisa Kudrow on Friends is like how I learned about comedic timing. Like my whole oh, life. Oh, same. Yeah. Between that yeah. and watching Will and Grace and also also the many, people forget how funny this show was, but I still stand by that Buffy the Vampire Slayer was sometimes some of the funniest comedy I ever watched in middle school. Agree 100%. We're my gay boyfriend has never seen it, so we are watching it, and it's so wonderful to watch someone else experience that show for the first time. Is he loving it? He's loving it. I mean, this has been we just had our four year anniversary, and I've been asking him for four. Was this the ultimate test? This was the ultimate test. I was like, he something about just in the last couple weeks, he was like, I know this is one of your all time favorite shows, so I'm gonna give it a try. And I was so nervous. 
I was like, I was like, uh, th- you know, the special effects might not hold up, and th- the episodes were hour long with commercials, so it might be a little slow. And he was so hooked so fast, and now we're in the middle of season three, and it's just, it's so funny. It's so funny. It's so good. Cordelia like, is so funny. Charisma. That girl's got charisma. That charisma Carpenter. She is so funny. It was a crime. I mean. I know she went off to do Angel, blah, blah, blah. But ever, whenever she left the show, thank God they had Anya there to sort of like exactly. basically put into her slot. Because I also think she is amazing. She is the, the best. The actress who plays Anya is everything. Both those Every women. Day. Can I tell you my Charisma Carpenter story? Oh, please. Oh, please. My Before we were on the podcast, I was telling you about my uh, bestie, Eric Beyer, who just moved to Asheville. Yeah. He lived in New York with me, and for his 25th birthday, him and his boyfriend at the time and I um, had a surprise birthday party for him in um, Empire Hotel. Uh, has like a a bar attached to it, so we we're gonna do it there. And there's maybe 20, 25 people there, you know, celebrating this this 20 year old something year old's birthday. Yeah. And I I we're having the time of our lives. We're getting really drunk, and I look to my left, <gasps> and there she is. Oh. There's charisma fucking Carpenter. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And only one other person there was a Buffy fan. And my friend Andreas grabbed my hand and he was like, we have to go over there. We have to go over there. And I was like, I know, but I'm so nervous. You don't understand. I had a, mm. a Cordelia action no, figure. I think I get it. No, I think I get it. <laughs> I think I do get it. I, I used to I record I used to record every episode on VHS tapes and take them to my friends' houses on the weekends. Like I was on all the like when when I had dial-up internet would be on the Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV forums, like all all of that nonsense. Oh my god. Just truly uh, my like, screen name for all of my teen years was and it was such a deep cut, like everyone had ever said this to, they're like Oh, okay. It was Spadoinkle Boy, and it was just because Xander says the word Spadoinkle when he sees the tower in season five. I'm like, that's a funny word. And I used it for seven years. Um, so, yeah. Big, so beautiful. Big fan. And I, I've never told that story out loud. And it's a little embarrassing. Spadoinkle Boy? That's even. really good. Everyone's like, that sounds sexual. I'm like, it's actually not at all. <laughs> there is nothing sexual about this. Wow. So I see her in the bar and I'm like, we're like, we have to go over there. We have to go over there. We could not muster up oh. the the like, you know, chutzpah, whatever you want to call it. We were so scared. We were like, we'll go over in a little bit. Before we could muster up the bravery to go talk to her, she taps my friend, Eric, on the shoulder, whose birthday it was, who had never seen Buffy, and was like, is it your birthday? And he was like, yeah. And she was like, oh my God, happy birthday. Is all these people here for your birthday? And so he's chatting her up. They're sitting and talking to each other for like 10 minutes and finally i was like this is our end we gotta go over this there. is this is your end i mean this, this is, is our end so you we're know like him. We, i was like i know him so we walk over there and we're like hey um and she sees the way we're looking at her <laughs> we, tried to, we tried to play it cool so hard and and then we we were like so we we're chatting for like five minutes being trying to be normal and then we were like so <laughs> we just have to say and she stops us and she goes are you guys Buffy and Angel fans? <laughs> Let me guess. You're a homosexual that watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> My friend, without missing a beat, was like, just Buffy. 
but she was I me mean, so honestly cool. i never watched angel i never watched no, Angel. I, I watched the first three episodes for her and then i was I like did too. But yeah i can't i don't want a male lead and i what heard she gets put in a coma at one point in the show and just stays in a coma for like a season i'm like that's that's disrespectful i don't like that so someone should apologize to her for that's, that and us it's wrong it, we wrong. should agree it's wrong it's not right and it's very disrespectful to Chris Carpenter. um we're going on would... we're going on laps around the topic i know today, people laps and you know what anyone that listens to my show knows that this is this is kind of what what it is so long story short she was so fucking cool and i bought her a shot and she was there with her fiance and i bought him a shot and then we drank together for like a couple hours and wow she was, that's amazing um she was such a cool wonderful person that's all I also feel like she's still gorgeous. She's still stunning. Stunning. Same with honestly Sarah Michelle Geller. I'm like, do it with reboot right now. Like uh, and and she's like good to go. Truly. <sighs> uh, I'm like, you know, how many how many reboots are we doing? We can't get a Buffy reboot with the original cast. Like, come on. I'm saying, did we need Charmed? No. Do we need Sabrina? No, we need yeah. Buffy. We know, even a 10 episode limited series bullshit. Like I, 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 I'm sure. I'm sure Alyssa, uh, like Allison Hannigan would do it. I'm sure that Michelle Trachtenberg would do it. Like, come on, get those people together. Nicholas Brendan is probably like begging to He's do it. begging them to do it. He's like, please, my please. God, I'll get a break from these Buffy cons. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I have whole thoughts on him. Like if we were ranking characters, I'm like, he's at the bottom. He's towards, he's... He's towards the bottom. Him and Joy, him and Joyce Summers are really low for me. Oh, Joyce. Joyce is pissing pissing me off mid season three. Oh, Joyce is a real B, and she she gets a really good death episode, so that it redeems her a little bit. Um, yeah, that but, episode is really amazing, but for a lot of season two and season three, she's a real pain in the ass. Oh, a real B. She's a real B. Um, yeah. it's it's like get a, get with it. Your daughter is a slayer, and you should only be so lucky. Yes. So to sort of like go into a, a somewhat title of gayest Christmas movie, I have uh, maybe not ever because you know we don't have that much time. But I've selected eight films <laughs> to rank down from and find which of these is the gayest. So my first bracket for you is The Family Stone and The Holiday. Now, of those two, which do you believe is the the gayer selection? The holiday. Yes. Mm. Oh, and, and and why is that? The holiday has Cameron Diaz walking around in like flowy coats and mm. like talk and really, her and Kate Winslet are really interested in interior design. And The Family Stone is the most anti-gay movie I've ever seen in my life. It's so bland. It's it has so... Sarah Jessica Parker just <laughs> completely was... disrespecting the gays. SJP and Rachel McAdams are the only gay things about that movie. And Diane Keaton. Okay, so oh, come on. I'm about to say, hold on, hold on here. It's, it's got three very gay things about it. However, those gay deaf characters are so offensive to, to people with disabilities, to homosexuals, to um, screenwriters. <laughs> At least so, he's actually I deaf. Hate. Okay, at least that. But the way, the things that they make Sarah Jessica Parker say as like awkward, offensive comments are so insane. Oh my God, the mom that was like, sucks. you didn't really wish for gay children, did you? And you're like, 
It's so shocking. What did Carrie Bradshaw just say? What's going on here? I mean, she's the most unlikable character in like film history. She's just kind of a butthole the whole time. And then Claire Danes is there for some reason. I hate that movie. (laughs) I really do. See, that's like a, that's like an annual watch for me. Oh, it's a pass for me. My, I'm in it for well. I'm a big it. Diane Keaton fan, and so and I do think she is fab in that movie. I think she is uh, very very good. Um, She's but, really. Good. But I hear your points, and I'm just gonna say, I I'm not shocked. I'm not <laughs> I'm not scratching my head, going, hmm, what does he mean? <laughs> I <understand>. <laughs> <laughs> also, I love the holiday. The holiday is oh the so holiday. What my favorite scene is when Cameron Diaz finally can cry in the back seat of the car, and then she's like, "Turn around!" And then she just runs at her stilettos. Oh, that's just come on, that's the best. Okay, so the holiday. So next bracket, you've now told me you've not seen one of these, but it is Meet Me in St. Louis versus White Christmas. Thoughts? I'm going to go meet me in St. Louis mm-hmm. because... It does have Judy. Um, yes. It has Judy and I hate White Christmas. <laughs> and why do you hate White Christmas? I watched it. I It was not a childhood watch for me. I'd never seen it Same. until we were a... Um, it's a Wonderful Life family. We were a dark... <gasps> mm-hmm. dark That's a dark Christmas. movie. Like people, You forget. You forget. <laughs> it's, about, it's about Jimmy... Jimmy... Um, oh my God. What's his last name? Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart. Uh, yeah. Jimmy Stewart's uh, suicide. <laughs> it's so dark. No, it's like it's like oh, before you that. kill yourself, let me take you on a tour of your life. <laughs> it's, like, it's insane. It's insane. That was our dark movie growing up. So I never saw White Christmas until three years ago. Yeah. And oh my god, it's such a snooze. Oh, it's same. so boring. I gotta agree. I got to agree. I I didn't I didn't watch it as a child either, and it was just on like TNT or some nonsense one year at Christmas. My parents were like, let's watch White Christmas. You kids love that movie. I'm like, I've never seen that movie. I don't know what you're talking about. And so we watched White Christmas, and yes, there are some fun musical numbers like Rosemary Clooney is lovely, I suppose, but it's just it was snoozy, snoozy. I was yeah, okay. her songs are fun, but it's so slow, very slow. Next bracket, I just I consider these both very gay movies. I guess that's uh, you know arguable, but uh, they are The Grinch from two thousand, starring Jim Carrey, which I do think is like the highest of camp. What he's doing in that movie, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we also have the Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh wow, this is really hard. Actually, I really love both of these. Same, movies. really same. Um, one has Kristen Baranski. Yeah, and in one of her, like, greatest film roles. Let's be real. She's really, really good. And Molly Shannon and Bill Irwin. Oh, Molly Shannon. Molly Shannon is, like, my queen. I love Molly Shannon. I'm a big SNL nerd, so I've been into, especially the the women of the 90s, like Sherry O'Terry, Anna Gessire, you know, all of of those ladies. Yeah. I messaged Anna Gessire on Instagram asking if she would, I've had a bunch of alphabas on my podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I asked her if she would come on and she hasn't responded, but I'm like, pr- I pray every night. I'm like, please, please let her do that. I, I feel would like she would say yes. Die. She's such a cool chick. I feel like she would too. I, it says on the app that she hasn't seen the message. Okay, that's we're fair. Not, like okay. Instagram following each other, but. Uh, I assume yeah. you've seen her in Reefer Madness. Of course, one of the Belt greatest. Belt her fucking face off, yeah. That's actually a really off. solid movie overall. I rewatched it recently. It's really good. It it holds up more than I thought it did. Great and it has casting. my Kristen my Nev Bell Campbell in it, who I'm obsessed with. 
the greatest human who ever, the most important human in history. Is yeah, I was a big cool. Scream super nerd also. So it, yeah. we're the same person. Yeah. I, I, if there's anyone that I would ever, like my butt would fall out of my mm. body, it's if I saw them, Nev Campbell is the one. I have She's my, like, one. Nev Campbell, if I saw Amy Sedaris, if I saw Molly Shannon. There's like a few, even though I think Molly Shannon would be a very nice lady. I've heard nothing but lovely things about Molly Shannon. And I feel like Amy Sedaris would just be weird. And that's what I want from her. Yeah, be as, as kooky as kooky can be. Yeah, that's what I want. But back um, to the matter at hand. Okay, this is really, really, really tough. Because Grinch was a big high school movie for me. Mm. Uh, um, my brother and I used to watch it over and over again. Jim Carrey is truly a genius in it, but Muppets Christmas Carol has so much nostalgia for me. And it has Miss Piggy. It has Miss as Piggy. Mrs. As Mrs. Cratchit, which is so beautiful. <laughs> and on. Christmas Carol is really, really, really boring. Like, if you've yes, ever seen like yes. the original Christmas Carol, like in high school, we had to go on a field trip to the Ford's Theater in DC and oh, watch Lord. it. And I wanted to stab my eyes out. I was like, how is this this boring? Oh, but I was in a production Christmas... of it once and I nearly fell asleep oh. on stage. Yeah, I get it. I get it. It's hell. But Muppets Christmas Carol, somehow they make it so fun. Yeah. And when I first moved to New York City right after college, I worked at Planet Hollywood in Times Square as a waitress thank you and i had to work on christmas day and it was the only people who were in there were like europeans who didn't celebrate christmas and they were horrible to me i got stiffed like wasn't tipped several times like i was hoping for the opposite for you it was truly one of the worst days of my entire life Mm. i was missing my family so much i was new to the city i hated the job everyone that i worked with was mean all the customers were mean i they made me stay extra to like find some i don't know like flyer or something that was supposed to be on one of the tables like you had to do all of this side work before you were even allowed to check out i left that place at like 1 30 in the morning on absolutely not (laughs) after making no money i got yelled at by a manager and then the train just like never came. So I got home at like 3.30 in the morning on Christmas and I turned on a Muppets Christmas Carol and cried and it comforted mm. me so deeply. So that I'm going to have to say Muppets Christmas Carol. Okay. For that. All right. Yes. And that's, and that's fair. And that is fair. It's okay. saved a gay on Christmas. Yeah. Okay. So last bracket, I have cheesy, very, very gay christmas movies they are a diva's christmas carol which we have already discussed and the other one is one that maybe you haven't seen but to me it's just as much required viewing is called the mistletones it stars (laughs) um as she calls herself hollywood royalty tori spelling okay say she was on the mask singer i clocked her at second 10 the second she was like some might call me hollywood royalty i'm like that is tori spelling that is Tori Spelling. Ah! That is someone who has read storytelling, which is her book. It's like storytelling, but the beginning is Tori, like Tori. Um, I, I, I've heard that line before. It's, she uses the same material a lot, and I knew that is Tori Spelling. Um, but as far as her and one of the Maori sisters of, you know, I was a big sister, 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 sister girl. I think it's Obsessed. Tia. I could be wrong. They look very similar. <laughs> famously famously they are notoriously notoriously they are identical um so out of those two have you seen the mistletones i hope you have i 
I have not, and you know mm. I'm gonna watch it after this. You no, like you do it. Like you will not be disappointed. They're I sing- love they play, the Bowery Sisters. They play right. It's like it's like Bring It On meets Pitch Perfect meets a tacky made for TV movie because they're in rival acapella singing girl groups. And so it's like, yeah, come on. You're already on board. I can tell. Yeah, it's look it up. Look it up. It's you're going to be so happy that you watched it. It is a joy. Tori Spelling really is one of those people where you're like, thank God for you. Just I would love something... to meet her. Can I say that? Like, I know yes, she's like tacky as fuck, but like, I love her I... so much. She's like exactly what you hope in in like a child celebrity, like a, or like a someone who's you know the child of yeah. a very successful Hollywood person. She seems, but she has such totally... a complicated life because like yeah. she kind of got like tanked out of the family money wise. They were like, we're not giving you any money, so it's it's bizarre because we think of her as like, oh, she's a spoiled rich girl. I'm like, well, she's technically had to work for all of her money because she technically wasn't given money. Um, Is her book worth reading? Yeah. If only, <laughs> if only because it is like the musings of a crazy woman, specifically, there is an entire chapter about her filming the movie Scary Movie 2. And she talks about that movie as if she was going to win an Academy Award if they'd only not edited down her parts so much. Because she goes into, you know, my other role was supposed to be much larger. Like in the one scene, I'm getting out of half of it. So it doesn't even make sense. And it's just like, she goes on and on and on. It is the most fascinating. She talks about, I was so good at improving. The Waynes brothers were really impressed with me. And it's like, it's really, it's worth reading. It's worth reading. All of her books that you get exactly what you think you're going to get when you read a Tori Spelling autobiography. So I give it a solid She's recommend. the perfect kind of celebrity because like she's a little bit sad but she's totally fair game to she masks it with a smile though and she's always game always game she she's very good at poking fun at herself which i really appreciate she have did, you she seen the video herself... where it's like an episode of hoarders but she has her house filled with gay men what you look it up i don't know how you would look it up i don't know what the, the title of it is but it's her and it's a parody of the show Hoarders, except she's hoarding gay men in her house. And then all these gay men are just hidden in like cabinets, in closets, they're in the walls. Like it's like, it's it's insane. That is truly insane. And to bring it full circle, didn't she do that movie Trick with yes, Matt Campbell? Yes, she does a whole monologue about cheese fries. Yes, I, yeah, I've seen it. Incredible, incredible. An icon, um, I would say. Truly, and I, and... <laughs> I'm going to be really honest. She's great in Scary Movie too. Yes, she is. And she was supposed to have a bigger role. <laughs> and she should have had a As bigger she role. lets you know in the book, Storytelling. <laughs> Stories by my life. Oh my God. So I guess, yeah. So out of the Mistletones and Diva's Christmas Carol, who are you going to give it to out of that bracket? I'm going to give it to Diva's Christmas Carol I because Vanessa Williams is such an icon. Because Vanessa Williams. Yeah. Because Vanessa Williams. Okay, so we're down to the final round or second to last final round. So between the holiday and Muppets Christmas Carol, who would win? Now, is this for the best gay movie or is this for the gayest movie? I mean, if we're going with the gayest, because yeah, here's the thing. Muppets Christmas Carol is one of my all-time favorite movies. Mm. It leans straighter than it the does. holiday. It you does. know what I mean? No, so I know. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it like Muppets Christmas Carol is a better gay movie, but the holiday is a gayer movie. So like one has Michael Caine and one has Kate Winslet. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we get it. Exactly. Like like we simply and like Jude Law being hot. It, oh, it's... he is so hot in that movie. He had that perfect chestnut color in his hair for that movie. Oh my and god. And my fucking god. Yeah, I can't even. Um and so like you would give it to the holiday? Vibes of it all. I oh, have to give my... it to the holiday. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. And so Oh man. Okay. So between Meet Me and St. Louis, <laughs> I think never thought it'd be had to have it this one. I bet never thought it. Meet Me and St. Louis versus A Diva's Christmas Carol. A Diva's Christmas Carol. I gotta agree. Yes. I gotta agree with that. Wow. So this has been a real journey. And oh my gosh, how are we here? We are between The Holiday and Diva's Christmas Carol. This is tough. This one's pretty rough. And yet, so simple and so clear. To yeah, me. I think it's so. gotta, you gotta go to Deepest Christmas. Yeah, movie. I mean, come on, come on. Yeah, it's such it's, a special film. Yeah, bitch, work. It's very <laughs> special. I yeah, I would say find it on YouTube. I hope it's still there. I think it is. It is. It yeah, is. Yeah. It's it's free on YouTube. Yeah. I'm always afraid to talk about things that I watch on YouTube anywhere where it could be seen because uh, things get taken down as soon as I want to watch them. That's all I'll say. Oh, you mean like when I did a reunion for the search for all ones? <laughs> but then they still, those videos are still up. <laughs> yeah. Well, have you ever had a video that you have watched for years, years? And then you tell someone, oh, there's the funniest video. And they go, oh, let's watch it. And you go to look for it and it is suddenly gone. And you think this was here for decades. It's one of the saddest things. Stephanie J. Block's version of The Wizard and I. Has, I can't believe I'm saying this I, out loud, but. It's now resurfaced on oh. YouTube, but it was taken down for like five years. Yeah. I hate when I can't find versions of, okay, so there is, I don't even know how to, there's no way to look for this without just being like Adina Menzel, Wizard and I, but there's this one night that Adina did the Wizard and I, where it just sounded perfect. It sounded perfect. Like if you want to put it in a time capsule, like this is the perfect performance of this. And it's not the pro shot version of it. It's a bootleg from the show. And she just sounds, she has the perfect like spin vibrato and all of her vowels. She just sounds flawless. And I watched it for years and it's gone. It's gone missing. I can't find it. Don't know how to look for it because you type in Adina Menzel, Wizard and I. Like, how's that going to help me? You know, so I'm hoping <laughs> one day, one day we're going to get, we're going to get her back. But I don't know. If you have information on this, please DM us because this is important. Oh, so you are you are Mr. Wicked. I I know you have had to talk about Wicked very very often, but I have actually I feel like I've never heard you say this. If you have said it, I don't remember, and so it's new information to me. Who is your favorite Alphaba? You're the third person to ask me that this week. Wow, and there we I, go. I'm just telling the truth now for, for a while, because I've had so many of them on my podcast, it feels like disrespectful to them to pick a favorite. But if we're going like, I'll go with my nostalgic gut answer, which is I saw Adina Menzel do it yeah. on Broadway mm -hmm. and it was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. It yeah. was so, she deserved that Tony so hard and people so love to shade her for her singing. So Adina. I gotta agree, a, because here's the thing. Is she the most consistent of all the alphabas? No, of course not. But when you get her on a good day, 
she is just perfect in that part. I mean, between she has the witchiness I think you need for the role. I think you have to believe this is a, she is going to be a witchy, a witchy lady. And she has the vocals that are, they, you love to listen. You love to listen. But they sound like a little, a little rough around the edges, which I kind of like. I kind of like when I hear a singer work a little bit for those like upper notes in alphabet. Like I, when it sounds too easy, for some of these alphabets, of course they sound okay. For instance, my roommate, his favorite alphabet is Jessica Vosk, who is a vocal powerhouse, Queen. amazing lady. But when I listen to her in Wicked, as much as I listen to her and go, "Wow, what a queen!" I also think it sounds so easy for her. Like none of this sounds difficult for her in her voice, and so it, it doesn't sound as thrilling somehow. I know it's, it's, it's so. So bitchy. you need an elbow working hard for those. I want to see her working hard, working hard for those notes. She's working hard for those battle cries. You know, that's, that's I, die, I mean, I, I totally understand what you're saying. I die for Jessica Vosk. Like she, I mean, she's amazing. Let me oh, make that, that clear. And, and I think there's something really pingy and really witchy about her voice, but oh, I, I do like her tone. Yeah. Like her, her voice is effortless and Edina. I mean, it just was, so wild to watch somebody just be so perfect for something like she every and her star never, power all of it she really has that it factor and you can never erase the wizard of oz from our memories you can't do it no that wicked witch is in our brains and she is the closest thing to the movie that has ever stepped on a stage like mm. she is the wicked witch of the west and that is how I felt watching it. I was like, oh my God, there she is. It's her. So, okay. So you were here to find out the gayest Christmas movie, which out of these elections has been Diva's Christmas Carol. This is very important information. And so I hope everyone's very happy to find this out. And I close out every show where I ask my guest, who was the last actress that made you feel something? Now, this could be a funny performance. This could be a performance that made you cry. It could just be a performance that stayed with you for unintentional reasons. But who was, for you, Tim Murray, the last actress that made you feel something? I'm going to have to say Alison Hannigan mm. in Buffy, because that's what mm. I'm currently watching. And she's keeps making me feel something in the episode where she gets turned into a vampire in oh. season three mm. by Anya's um, wish for Cordelia. Yes, yes, yes. She becomes so sexy and so dark. And <sighs> the whole time, you're, I'm just watching it thinking like, damn, this young woman really is the real deal that she can be. She should be doing so much more. She really should. I mean, she's had a phenomenal career. Oh, like, sure, she's sure, sure. The few actresses who's like really, um, you know, she went from one iconic show to another. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I would like to see her in in so much more. And it was it's so fun to watch her be such a believable nerd and then such a believable sex pot, oh, like well, bad well, girl. About the episode you speak, I also love the flip side of it when they bring that vampire back to their world and then she has to pretend to be the vampire 
at the at the bronze and just like i remember this moment where she walks past this one girl and she tries to like run her fingers through her hair and then her hand gets caught and she has to, like, <laughs> it's just like a com- comedy gold comedy gold uh they, that cast does not get enough credit for how awesome they all were <sighs> at comedy they oh had God. a chemistry together and an, and an ability to bounce off of each other and like there's not a single joke written into that show that none of the like Seth Green, Ugh. like the actor who plays Giles, they all were hitting out of the park. And in that same episode, the the moment I'm thinking of when you said yeah. an actress that makes you feel something is again when she's in the bronze and she's walking, pretending pretending to be the scary vampire, and she's like, "I'm gonna take you outside and do horrifying things to your bodies." And as she's saying it, she turns to to Oz and just yes. gives him like a. Yes. a cute little willow wave and you're yes. like oh it's so funny it, it, it was so good it was put into the intro for a very long time oh my god i did not know that i love that it's really really great now this is not an official question but since you are a buffy super fan i have to know since you're here which is your favorite season oh my god that's such a good question okay fuck I... for me it's five I was going to say, what I was going to say is... Because the glory of it all. Right. Five has my favorite moments. Mm. The season five finale is my favorite episode. Um, But Mm. season three is my favorite. Season three is a close second, only because you have faith, first of all. So there's that. Faith is amazing. Watching two Slayers together for the first time in that series was so fun. And something so important with shows like this is like, they always lose magic when they leave high school. Yeah. And the college years of every TV show, Dawson's Creek, Say by the Bell, <laughs> Buffy, they they Love lose that. they lose some of the um fun of what it's like to watch a, a teenage girl in high school. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. So season three, I'd have to say. Okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Would you like to let the listeners know where they can support you on social media? Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. You can oh, follow course. me at team murray 06 on instagram twitter youtube subscribe to my youtube channel where i'm doing slumber party live my podcast you can subscribe to my podcast as well if you just want to hear the audio version for the buffy fans i've had tom lank on from <gasps> season no six, way one uh. of the trio that episode is really great i've had trixie mattel on and britta and lemon from canada's drag race if you're a drag race fan. you've had some amazing guests i've had some great guests it's been, i've it's been really i you know this pandemic has sucked for many reasons, but it's great so for many podcasting. people. Yeah, it's great for podcasting. <laughs> so many people are sitting around with nothing to do. So celebrities are saying yes to getting interviewed, which is so great. Did um, I see they had Christina it, Bianco on? Yeah, just the, the oh. other day. Wow. Funnily wow. enough, we didn't we didn't talk about it on the podcast, but I used to be Christina Bianco as a booker. Wow! Like <laughs> wow. I would call I would call venues and be like. Um, you need to have this amazing woman. She's got, you know, all these YouTube views. Uh, so I used to like work for her basically. Wow. So uh, yeah, I was very lucky that she just did this week. Um, yeah, if you like Broadway stuff, if you like gay stuff, then check out Slumber Party Podcast. 
I feel like all the niche references that I make on this podcast, <laughs> listeners, he's it. I'm telling you, like following your Twitter stories and your Instagram stories, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why are all of his references like things I go, yeah, that thing. I like that too. So it's been truly fascinating. I think we say the we, 1987 gay. You know, he's admitting it on the pod. Yeah, we've, we think we live in these pods of, oh, I'm so special. I'm into all of my special things. And then you find out there are other homos walking this planet that have all of the exact same references so it's before cool. i did before i did lost culture research podcast with matt rogers and bowen yang they had do you know who pat regan is oh i love pat regan he's yeah. so funny and so funny pat, pat and i had done a couple of improv shows together but didn't know him that well and then i listened to his episode of lost culture research and when they asked me to be on i was like I'm just going to say all the same shit he did. <laughs> he, he's, oh, there were times with Matt Rogers where he would talk about stories from his childhood and I would just listen to the show going, what the fuck? Like, that's like me. Like he would talk me? about getting on the film experience website from Nathaniel oh, Rogers yes. and following Oscar pundits. So I'm like, literally like that was the homo that I was as well. It's just really fascinating. That episode of Lost Culture is one of the greatest, I would say, with, with that film experience guy. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. 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 Thanks for having well, me on. This was so fun. Of course. Thank you so much. Thank you so much again to Tim for coming on In Another World. It was my pleasure to have you on the show. I would love for you to come back and talk about <laughs> any number of things. I, You know, I, we did talk about Christmas movies, but I... I didn't realize we almost spent more time talking about Drag Race and Buffy the Vampire Slayer than Christmas movies, but honestly, that checks out for me. So, and I think, honestly, at this point, listeners, you know that that makes sense for me as well. But like he said, you should go support his pod, Slumber Party. It is a very, very fun show. And if you like this show, I almost guarantee you would love his show. And also, you should go follow him on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to follow me, you can follow me at Zachary with no H on Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow the pod at In Another World Pod on Instagram or at IAW Podcast on Twitter. So I hope you all enjoyed today's episode, and I will see you here next week for the season finale of In Another World. I've been your host, Zachary Landolt, and I'll see you here next time. Bye!